1: Hello, everybody. It is John Pollock. It is Wednesday, June the 14th. Thank you for tuning in to a very special edition of Pollock and dot, dot, dot. Thurston will be here. We will be locating. Uh, Brandon Thurston, who is uh, just pulled away temporarily. However, the format of this show, we spoke with Tony Khan, and he is going to be our big guest uh, this week. We spoke with him for context on Monday afternoon. So we are going to run the interview, and afterward we will react to the interview, the key points that were brought up by Tony Khan throughout the interview, and then take a look at some of the other news stories. If you do want to get in a super chat, you are welcome to do so. Brandon and I will answer those super chats afterwards, whether you want to speak about the interview, other subjects, the forum is yours once we uh, wrap up the interview with Tony Khan. So without further ado, we are not going to waste any time. We will speak with you on the back end, and Brandon Thurston will be here with me when the interview concludes. But here it is, myself and Brandon Thurston in conversation with AEW President Tony Khan. It is a huge month for AEW. Among the highlights coming up in June, the release of AEW Fight Forever, the Forbidden Door pay-per-view here in Toronto on Sunday, June 25th. But this week, all roads leading to the debut of AEW Collision on TNT at 8 Eastern from the United Center in Chicago. It's a pleasure to be joined here on Pollock and Thurston for the first time by AEW President Tony Khan. And Tony, thank you so much for taking some time to sit down with us. It's always a busy time, but this month in particular, uh, it seems like a lot of crossroads of a lot of big projects all coming to a head.
2: It's a really exciting month for AEW. In fact, it's a really exciting week for AEW. We have a lot happening this week. As you said, John, with AEW Wednesday Night Dynamite in Washington, D.C., the site of our very first AEW Dynamite ever, Wednesday night will be at the Capital One Arena in Washington, D.C. And not only was it the site of the first Dynamite ever, but I think the card we have for this week, really stands up and is one of our best Dynamite cards. It's going to be a great show, I really believe, this Wednesday night, tonight, in fact. Uh, and we've got Dynamite tonight and also a big Saturday night Collision premiere coming. Uh, as you mentioned, AEW Fight Forever coming out this month. I think we've got AEW and New Japan partnering on what I expect to be one of the best events either company has ever participated in, Forbidden Door coming up June 25th there in Toronto. And I have to say, uh, I'm excited to talk to both of you together. I've talked to Pollock, I've talked to Thurston, but I've never talked to Pollock and Thurston as a team. Uh, So this is very exciting for me personally. Well, we thank you for uh,
1: participating here in the in the handicap match uh, with, <laughs> with both of us at the same time. I just want to go back a week, and certainly, I'm sure there are Wednesdays where you must be very optimistic. There are other Wednesdays where the competition is is very intense, such as last week was between the NBA Finals. Vanderpump Rules is on fire. You guys doing a .33? You've had a week to digest that number. What do you think attributed to you holding up so well as you did
2: last week against? I, I thought one of your tougher Wednesdays. I really thought the competition was very tough, but I believed we had a great show, and I was really pleased that it held up and did such a strong number. I think we planned for a great match to start with the international championship match, Orange Cassidy versus Swerve Strickland. I think I really believed going in that people would be very excited about MJF and Adam Cole coming face-to-face, and I wanted to put some time into that segment. Also had a great main event, Ricky Starks, Jay White, that people would look forward to. And a uh, strong card. I think there was some anticipation about what the main event on Collision was going to be. Certainly, Jungle Boy and Hook as a team uh, did well in that spot. And up and down the show, I thought there was really uh, a really, really strong card. And to have the BCC and the best friends out there with Rocky Romero being involved. So you had Chaos and the BCC out there, a little preview of Okada versus Brian Danielson with Brian Danielson on commentary. And the way we did it with a video on Brian and Okada to kind of segue into the match, I really thought it was a strong presentation. And I'm glad it delivered such a positive rating. I was really glad to see that a 0.33, really strong number against really strong competition. So that bodes really well for AEW. A good and, quarter
0: hour in the middle for the, uh, the MJF and uh, Adam Cole segment, I noticed.
2: Yeah, it was really strong there, and it was a strong open, too. I think we started really well and uh, then had a really good number in the crossover spot as we went into the 9 o'clock hour, and it continued and then had a nice match after that with Hook and Jungle Boy versus the LFI and the Tornado Tag held up pretty well. So uh, absolutely, like you said, very positive indication to see the world champion MJF and Adam Cole doing such a – strong number being out there together that bodes really well going into tonight's show with Adam Cole versus MJF in an eliminator match for a shot at the AEW world championship.
0: And on Monday, there's a a new report from the New York post um, about uh, WWE's negotiating windows, but they mention here that uh, Warner brothers discovery does not have to stay exclusive to AEW. I was wondering if you could speak to whether that's true.
2: Um, Well, I don't want to talk too much about the, uh, The contract we have with Warner Brothers Discovery, but I definitely uh, have uh, some some pretty favorable uh, things in there. And given the commitment that Warner Brothers Discovery is making for AEW with Collision and Dynamite, I think it really shows that they're fully committed to AEW. We just had AEW All Access also launch on Max in addition to being on TBS every Wednesday night like tonight and on TNT every Friday and now every Saturday night starting this week with the launch of Collision.
0: Yeah, Is um, is David Zasloff turning out to be a big wrestling fan?
2: I think so. Uh, I think so. Uh, I really believe uh, David Zasloff has been a very, very strong supporter of AEW. Uh, I believe when he came in and said, I want two more hours of AEW on Saturday nights. That was one of the biggest, uh, votes of confidence that you could give us. And it was certainly very favorable for us, uh, to hear that he wanted that. And then to be able to deliver it in very quick turnaround and put together what I think is going to be a great, great show with AEW collision every Saturday night.
0: There's been a lot of management change over the, over the years, uh, especially as it concerns the merger. Um, so, I mean, who are the people, who are the executives with WBD now that you're working with most often? Um, I mean, we know David Zaslav is the CEO. We've heard the name Kathleen Finch. Are there, are there other other people you're working across?
2: Those are people we work really closely with. All, also, in addition to Mr. Zaslav and Kathleen Finch, who've been great supporters of AEW, Jason Sarlanis has been an amazing friend to AEW, and he runs TBS and TNT, and since he's come in, has been a huge supporter of AEW. And he's also been very closely involved in the decision to give us two more hours. And we've worked with Jason to develop collision. Jason has great experience in wrestling. He actually had worked at E with Total Divas, so had experience with Total Divas. And, and I b- believe a lot of wrestlers who've been through AEW female and male had participated in that show in one way or another. And certainly he was very familiar with a lot of the big pro wrestlers, including some of the top pro wrestlers in AEW.
0: Did did that play Uh, into how All Access came to be?
2: I think All Access we were working on for a while. And the idea for All Access was something we had uh, put forward. Then Jason coming in was a great supporter of All Access and also very insightful about All Access. And I was really pleased how it did. And really, we did a very good number for the finale, I thought and hopefully bodes well for the future of the show now i'm glad as i was saying a few moments ago i'm glad it's available for people on hbo max or excuse me on max on max now
1: Right. what would you say has changed in the sense that you were adding two hours of ring of honor programming that is now on honor club and with the addition of collision was ring of honor ever in the discussions to fill this this new saturday
2: night time slot Not for TNT. I think the idea of two more hours of AEW is very appealing. What it meant was that AEW Dark and AEW Dark Elevation would be coming to an end, at least for now. And they were great shows. And they've been huge for the development of AEW. And so many great wrestlers, from a developmental perspective, got their start in AEW on Darker Elevation. And it includes a lot of people who've been champions and are a major part of the show now on a weekly basis. I think in the future, Ring of Honor is going to be really important to the development of AEW. And thankfully, we were able to devote thousands of matches across hundreds of episodes of Dark and Elevation to really fostering a young roster, building people up. And now I think we have a great outlet also in a sister company in Ring of Honor and also our partnership with New Japan Pro Wrestling and other great partnerships, other companies we work with to create possibly excursions or other great experiences for our wrestlers to get experience overseas or domestically
0: yeah with the the addition of collision i mean obviously that's gonna be on saturday night battle of the belts has been on saturday night it's been on friday after rampage is is uh, battle of the belts going to continue yeah even though it is okay yep
2: battle of the belts will continue which is great and uh as for where the next battle of the belts episode will run on tnt whether it'll be a friday or saturday it's a great question And still uh, talking about that. And we'll have a good answer for you on that soon.
1: On the philosophical front, Tony, I think most, most audience members would believe that Dynamite is a winning formula. The numbers have backed that up. Are you approaching collision as the idea of going from two hours and adding an additional two hours of this winning formula? Or do you believe that there needs to be some distinctions between what people are consuming on Wednesday nights and what you're getting on Saturday nights from a variety of different fronts?
2: Well, I think you hit the nail on the head there. Great, John. I believe the last thing you said is really accurate. I want to take some of the great things we've developed that are part of the working formula, but I also want to create a distinct show with a distinct identity, and I really believe we can do that with Collision and present a great wrestling show every Saturday night, 8 p.m. Eastern, starting this week, 7 p.m. Central, there in Chicago. And we're going to have a great crowd for this first episode. They're going to be red hot, I know, and it's going to be a great show. I think there are some advantages to running the show on Saturdays, and I'm looking forward to uh, getting off to a great start and building off it.
1: It's going to feature the return of CM Punk teaming with FTR against Samoa Joe, Juice Robinson, and Jay White. Obviously, I know you're not going to get into the weeds on this, but were there periods over these last 9-10 months that you would have thought it would be pretty surreal days out that we would be talking about the ability to have CM Punk in an AEW ring in a wrestling capacity once again? Or were you the eternal optimist during all of these months?
2: Well, I'm very excited for the match this Saturday. I'm very excited for CM Punk's return to the ring. And I think it's a great trios match. You have CM Punk teaming with the AEW World Tag Team Champions, FTR, one of the greatest trios in wrestling when they get together, I believe. And going up against a new trio that is very exciting to have Jay White and Juice Robinson coming off one of the biggest wins we've seen For Jay White, since he arrived in AEW, I think probably the biggest win he's had in AEW. And this is somebody who's had great wins all over the world and built a great reputation. And with Jay White and Juice Robinson now, they've become a really hot unit as the Bullet Club Gold. And to have them teaming up with Samoa Joe, who is a top name in the world of pro wrestling and brings so much to the table. And to have Samoa Joe, who's a huge star out there against one of his greatest rivals, CM Punk. And I think that works both ways. I believe Samoa Joe is also one of CM Punk's greatest rivals. Uh, I think it's just a great, great opening match to have – opening main event, rather. To have a great main event like this, to launch a great show. I think if we open up with a strong show, we have a chance to get off to a strong start for Collision. And I think for a variety of reasons – I'm very excited we're able to offer this match and able to put it on TV on Saturday night on TNT. I think the timing of CM Punk recovering from the tricep injury and the launch of the show is very, very good. Um, When they came to us and we started talking about the dates, I realized this would line up with about the time he would be hopefully ready to come back and return to the ring. And he's been working really hard to get back in the ring. And obviously there are things that have happened outside of the ring that, you know, you might want me to talk about. I, that I cannot talk about, but I would love to talk about the wrestling show. And I'm very excited to have this match on TNT on Saturday night. Yeah. And I respect that you cannot get into all of the specifics, but
1: we are going into, there is such a giant elephant in the room regarding all out. And does that help or does that hurt if, we're not going to go in that direction because i think your audience
2: is tuning in saturday night and that is going to be a big reason why is to hear from this individual. Well, it's a great point. I think people are going to want to hear from CM Punk and people are going to want to see him get involved in big matches and jump into big stories and i think definitely the rivalry between CM Punk and Samoa Joe very interesting. We've seen a budding rivalry with FTR Uh, you know, against uh, a number of top teams in AEW. But I think uh, with them having retained the championship at double or nothing and with Jay White coming off such a huge win and Jay White and Juice Robinson as a team being red hot, we saw they had a run in with FTR a few weeks ago uh, at the pay-per-view at double or nothing after FTR retained the championship. And I felt like that also planted another seed for this match. Certainly, though, people are always going to go back to that rivalry between CM Punk and Samoa Joe. People have been talking about it even before Samoa Joe arrived in AEW. And not long after that, CM Punk got injured. And at Double or Nothing, you know, Samoa Joe hadn't really been here very long when uh, CM Punk's foot was broken at that week. And uh, I do think... This match is a huge main event and people are going to be very interested to see what happens. It's very, very exciting for us to be able to put this match on the first episode of Collision on Saturday, which, you know, we were just talking about ratings and this past Wednesday was a very, very good number for us. I'm hopeful we can get another good number for tonight's episode of Wednesday Night Dynamite on TBS and, you know, build off that. And hopefully keep some good momentum going into Saturday for Collision.
0: With, with the, the debut on Saturday of Collision, it seems like there's a, a good opportunity to have that match, maybe in the main event and another segment where CM Punk is is talking on the microphone. I'm sure people are really anticipating hearing from him. Uh, can, can you say whether fans should expect to hear from Punk on the microphone on Saturday? Uh,
2: I don't want to say too much yet. Uh, I do think. It would make a lot of sense, though, and I I know fans are going to be excited to hear from CM Punk. Obviously, that match is in the main event, so that does leave us opportunities in the lead up to the show uh, to do that. And I think, uh, it, you know, I have to admit it would make a lot of sense.
1: You've also announced that Collision will be available up in our neck of the woods through the TSN Plus uh, streaming service. Can you talk a bit about just The role of Canada at this moment, there are a lot of dates booked and some of your reactions as well. Like, so obviously you have the the sellout of forbidden door, gigantic demand for that. Some of the collision dates have been softer. Can you just assess, like, it's a lot of dates you're running in Canada. How would you assess your health right now in Canada since it's going to be such a big part of the summer plans?
2: Well, I was really excited about the ratings as we talk about TV ratings. You know, last week was also a really strong week for us in Canada. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys covered those ratings. We mentioned the 0.33 we did in the US in the 18 to 49 demo. D- and- Dynamite
1: edged out uh, SmackDown the previous Friday, which was the thousand day Roman Reigns celebration. So it was, it was a very good number for Dynamite in, in Canada last week.
2: Yeah. And I, I, I understand we beat Raw in the demo too. Yes. Yes. You were.
1: I could pull them up, uh, up
2: here, but it was is that 25 to uh, 54
1: so. in Canada. You get right. 25 to 54 is the main demo that's measured here in Canada.
2: Great. Well, I know it was a really good uh, rating for the show last week in Canada, so I was excited about that. And I think going into Collision, we're doing a number of shows for Dynamite and Rampage and Collision in Canada. I think really with these Collision events, people don't know what to expect. We've got really strong number. For the show in Chicago that's going to turn out to be one of the biggest TVs we've done all year for the United Center Collision debut Saturday night this weekend. Uh, I think that bodes very well for the future. I know the show in Newark for the first show back from Canada also is doing very well. I'm excited to see what happens with our tour in Canada for both Dynamite and Collision. I think these Canadian fans, Collision, of course, as you mentioned, will be streaming through TSN. I'm excited about that. I do think we have a great chance to promote these events coming up, not just on Dynamite, but also by having a great debut for Collision to build a lot of buzz for the upcoming episodes. I also think we can build some anticipation for the Owen Hart cup matches, which will be taking place. And a lot of those will happen on Collision also.
0: For for some of those dates, those had been announced a while ago, like Calgary, Regina, Saskatoon. I, I believe they were originally announced as house shows. Were, were they... Did you know when you booked them that they were going to become collision TV tapings?
2: Um, not originally, but then we had those Saturdays that when we were talking to TNT about doing a Saturday night show every week, that would obviously fall in and be very great venues and great cities in Canada to convert those into TV shows.
1: That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time.
2: And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.
1: When it comes to kind of a larger question that I'm very curious from your standpoint is – Certainly you have a lot of people around you that can provide instant feedback when it comes to outside of AEW, when you're looking for what is working and also being able to parse good faith criticism versus so much noise that is out there. Is that a near impossible task? Like when you are trying to get the honest reactions from your fan base, like it is, I just feel you guys are under such a microscope and it's very hard to find good faith criticism out there. Are you still able to find that? What, what I, you your it's like is, is what he's asking.
2: That's a great way to put it, Brandon. No, absolutely, John. I think it's a great, really, really great point that these days you get a lot of feedback, and not all of it is necessarily constructive. And I think uh, really listening to the fans and trying to find that constructive feedback, because there are a lot of great fans out there that have great ideas, and I like to listen. And you can't do every idea that every – fan presents to you but i like to try to do different things that the fans are going to want to see a lot of times if there's a match with two people that are being really really well received it could be a baby face and a heel but they might have a heel uh that the fans are really getting behind and there might be a baby face the fans are really getting behind and i think the ratings do often give a good indication of that you know there's Good feedback on social media, but frankly, the feedback on social media does not always correlate directly with Nielsen rating performance, good or bad. And I think the Nielsen rating performance is very important for us, but also doing quality shows that the fans like, including fans online who give feedback to us, I think that really helps us too. So it's a balance for sure, but in a perfect world, you do a show that Everyone loves and does a great rating. And we've done that at times. And that's the best.
0: You closely following then, the, uh, sorry, John, you closely following the cage match ratings?
2: I look at the cage match ratings. It's interesting. They've changed the way that they do it now. I think you have to yes. wait a while to yeah. so as uh, an embargo been our, now. <laughs> it's a major change, which probably, I don't know if that's better or worse, but it's really interesting because there's probably people that have really strong feelings right after the show ends and they might not get around to going back and expressing those opinions. Um, so I think they changed the way they did it. Like you said, there's an embargo. Uh, so I do look at that, but I spend more time looking at the Nielsen ratings and the minute by minute and the quarter hours, frankly. One of the more interesting ones for me over the past
1: couple of months, I found it fascinating over the several day period was you announced Kenny Omega and El Hio Del Vikingo as a dream match. And suddenly this takes on a life of its own over several days about debating the merits of this being a dream match. And the end result was this did a tremendous number. And I'm just curious if you're just, is the calculus so far ahead that we know something like this is going to engage such discussion, or are you just blown away by everybody about what they will pick apart, such as a dream match scenario. And here, I think in a weird way, it, it built the match up that much more because of this several day online debate amongst audiences.
2: I have the ability to put a spotlight on something, but in this case, first of all, Kenny Omega versus El Hijo del Vikingo uh, is a match that people really wanted to see. It was a dream match in that sense. That's Mm -hmm. why I said it. It's true. There were a lot of people that wanted to see it. That's why it did a strong number on the merits of their wrestling and the strength of the matchup. And People wanted to see uh, Kenny versus Vikingo, and that's why they delivered. I do think the talk helped, and... I believed it was good to put a spotlight on this because it was the kind of match people would want to see, and I also expected it would garner a lot of conversation. Sometimes things take on a life of their own, and really when given the opportunity to book a great match like this and put a spotlight on it, uh, then you hope that the fans start talking about it and it takes on a life of its own, and that one really did, and it was great.
0: You mentioned, uh, in another interview that you view AEW as a challenger brand. You know, it's, it's a, it's a new brand and there's, there's a big company, WWE, that's been around for decades, who's the leader. Um, and what, what W does, I would say creatively is, is so ubiquitous and so influential. It has been over the decades. Um, and I imagine you want AEW to be a strong alternative. So is, is it something you think about, like, are, are we doing things some, sometimes that like in ways we don't even realize it, that we're being influenced by WWE and maybe, you know, there's another way that is just as effective or better than, than the way that they would do things because we've all grown up watching it. You got a lot of wrestlers who used to be in WWE. I, I, I feel like it's, you know, where we're, we're goldfishing in the water sometimes and not realizing that there's a, there's a different way to do things. Is that something you think about at all?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think when we launched AEW, that was, something that was really important to me. There are aspects of other wrestling promotions in the past that I thought really presented wrestling on TV very well. And then there were things that hadn't been done in a long time. And I think certainly, uh, we influenced by a lot of people. Uh, I do view AEW as a challenger brand. That's actually, uh, an expression and, a philosophy that was passed down to me from the management at Warner brothers. And it was the executives at TNT and TBS who gave me a big deck on what it means to be a challenger brand. And there are other great examples of it. You know, Burger King is a great example. I think Pepsi is a great example of a, co- of a company to some extent that is a challenger brand in a major industry to an industry leader. These are great companies and uh, they're treated in the industry like major players, like AEW is treated as a major player in the wrestling industry, but they're challenging a company that's been around for a long time, an industry leader. And, you know, if you look at Burger King's marketing, a lot of it is like, Hey, McDonald's sucks guys. And like uh, that's really what they've done. And I think that's when people look at a challenger brand, what they might not understand or have, have, seen uh in learning about what it means to be a challenger brand is sometimes it means uh being very uh specific about your brand identity and in pro wrestling i do think for aew the timing of when we launched the promotion was key the timing of rights fees for television in pro wrestling growing very quickly and and by a big amount and also the talent, knowing who a lot of the top pro wrestlers in the world are and were at the time, and their availability. And I think it's helped us carve out a really great place in the wrestling business.
0: And like to a new fan, what would you say are some of the biggest differences that sets AEW apart from from WWE or from other promotions?
2: I think AEW has the best roster of wrestlers in the world. And if you want to watch pro wrestling, you can – it's a lot of its opinions, but to me, I believe that the best group of pro wrestlers in the world is the group in AEW and you have a great opportunity to see them. And now I have can showcase them even more and showcase more people throughout dynamite rampage. And now we've added collision and we've gone from three hours of TV. Now this week we'll have five hours of TV for the first time ever. It's going to be so exciting and it's a great opportunity for the company. And I, I think that's one of the things that sets us apart, most importantly, is the quality of the wrestlers. And then uh, the way we build to the matches, I think there's really exciting matches ahead. I believe there's an excitement about AEW that doesn't exist for any other wrestling promotion as far as the ability to go do events for the first time. Because we are a new company, there's still places we've never been where we have a huge fan base. A great example of this is the anticipation that built for AEW's debut in Europe and our first show in the UK and our first show in London. And all of it has come together to create the perfect storm of excitement that has led to the biggest gate in the history of pro wrestling in Europe. And one of the biggest gates in the history of professional wrestling and we're months away from the show and not a single match or participant has been officially announced or confirmed. And I think there's a huge amount of excitement around AEW And we've grown this audience in a unique time. A lot of our fans found AEW in the pandemic. And there are people that started watching it all over the world or it became available to them in places all over the world for the first time. We really grew our worldwide TV penetration. Now the show is available in over 150 countries around the world with AEW Dynamite and AEW Collision. We're quickly getting up to those same kind of clearances. I think for us, uh, the quality of our wrestling, I believe stands above anyone, but I also think there's a lot of great wrestling all over the world from multiple different promotions. And that's what makes wrestling great. There were some companies that are out there right now that were doing great wrestling and having some great matches before we launched, but there was a space. There was a clearly a place in pro wrestling specifically based in North America and an opportunity to launch the promotion that became aew and it's gone incredibly well and we've done things beyond my wildest dreams and now the international expansion in particular the success of aew all in london it's mind-blowing and to be a part of an event that will now be in the record books is one of the biggest wrestling shows ever worldwide in the history of the planet that's pretty cool
1: how much of that card is already constructed in in your head at, at this point? Like, how far ahead are you getting yourself when it comes to plotting out, you know, su- such a, an important event in the company's
2: history? I have a lot of really great ideas for it, and I like to see how things flow. And if Forbidden Door goes as planned, I think it will then lead us into what could be one of our uh, all-time historic special moments For AEW All-In, I think we're going to have a great Forbidden Door, and I'm very focused on that. And if we get through that and if that goes as I expect, then we are going to be in an amazing position for AEW All-In. And hopefully the brand interest will be incredibly high worldwide, and it will focus itself into a very great event August 27th in London. But I'm very focused on coming there to Toronto first and putting on a great one for you at Forbidden Door and building off that.
0: With um, the the addition of Collision, um, I, I understand you know it's been reported that in January 2020 you signed a new new deal with with what was then Warner Media. My understanding is three years with a one year option. So that if, if besides the option that would expire at the end of this year, I I have to think that WBDS not just signing up for Collision for six months. I've asked you about the option before. You did not want to talk about it, but maybe I can ask it this way. Should, like, should fans expect to see AEW on TNT and TBS in January?
2: I think there's, uh, I would expect that. And uh, I can't say much because of our contract with Warner Brothers Discovery, but I definitely think we're planning into 2024 for that. And uh, hopefully for a very long time. It's a great relationship. And I'd like to be here for a very, very, very long time. I'm very grateful that we're here and have been putting new content on TBS and TNT every single week since 2019. Without a week off, new shows every week for the wrestling fans all over the world. It, some challenging times, too, through the lockdown. And I believe we should be here for a long time. I would really love it. And I expect we hopefully would be here for that. And the launch of Collision is going to be great. It's going to be a great event this Saturday. I think to dynamite tonight will hopefully be great too. It's a really strong lineup and there's a lot of excitement about the show and we're coming off a great rating for last week, as we said, and I think it's a great opportunity for tonight to build on it and then take that momentum to Saturday. I would love to then carry that into forbidden door in a few weeks in Toronto. And if that goes, as I said before, if that goes as well as I expect it will, will and we're going to be in a really strong position this summer.
1: Well, Tony, we hope that you will extend the option to uh, come back sometime and <laughs> chat with uh, Brandon and I. That is maybe one option you can, you can guarantee. And uh, we look forward to everything that's coming up. Of course, Dynamite tonight at 8 Eastern. And then Saturday night, the launch of Collision 8 Eastern on TNT, TSN Plus in Canada and internationally uh certain regions can watch through AEW plus as well. So Tony, thank you very much for being generous with your time. I know it's always a busy one for you and I hope we can do this again sometime.
2: This was really nice. I really enjoyed visiting with both of you. Hopefully see you both soon, maybe in the scrums and uh, speaking of collision, in addition to AEW collision, John, I'm going to attend the collision conference again. That's right So maybe I'll see you again there for the second year in a row up in Toronto too, but I'm excited to spend a lot of time in Canada this summer And very excited to hopefully see both of you soon. All right. Thank
1: you very much, Tony. We appreciate the time. Thank you, guys. All right. That was Tony Khan joining myself and Brandon Thurston, who is here with us live. Hello, Brandon. I'm here. You can hear me well? Uh, You are coming in uh, beautifully, crystal clear. So a lot covered there, I thought, in the 30 minutes. Was this your first time uh, listening back to it since we spoke with Tony on Monday? No, it was not my
0: first time listening back.
1: Is it yours? (laughs) No, it wasn't the first time I listened back either. So you and I have now probably uh, gone through this uh, multiple times uh, at this point and gone over it. I would say coming out of it, I found I think that's as clear an indication that the option has been picked up or at the very least a formality that it is being picked up and that AEW programming will continue on Warner brothers discovery into the new year. And that would take them to the end of 2024, which would be your understanding. I mean, I kind of guessed that that was the case anyway. And his
0: response to the question about the option makes me think even more so that the option has already been renewed. Um, I think he probably has a rule that he's not going to talk about anything related to the TV deal talk more about things related to that later, I guess. Um, but, but he was willing to, you know, I, I, I figured that was a, a good way to ask it because not answering it in, in a, in a response that is leaning towards the affirmative is, you know, it, it leaves the fans to, to think that maybe AW is going to go away uh, at, at the end of the year, which
1: is, you know, almost certainly not the case now. Mm-hmm. We also got the, the note that Battle of the Belts would continue, so you would expect probably four of those specials a year. That would seem to make more sense on a Friday night than they would on a Saturday. Um, and we have seen sort of the, the pairing of Battle of the Belts with Rampages, which you would think that they that, so like that would hours, seem to make the most sense. So three, of, three hours uh, on a Saturday night. Sure. You, you could do three hours on a Saturday night. No, why I, not? I, I think Rampage is more likely, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I would think that that would be the, the most likely scenario. So as we are days out from collision what would you sense is the anticipation factor for this new show and where it's and where it's launching because so much of it is surrounded around cm punk and it remains to be seen how tonight is positioned in terms of your strong push towards saturday and if any more announcements are made and what what is the buzz as we stand today going into saturday's debut i mean it's it's not what Rampage, the, the
0: second Rampage, or I suppose maybe even the first Rampage was. I would say um, a lot of that is because Punk was about to debut for the first time, and that's a much bigger deal than his return. Um, I think the, the the first Collision is probably going to do something in the in the neighborhood of what Dynamite does, and it's going to be way down from there. Um, but it's, I mean, you can look at the attendances. The the attendance for the United Center is is some something of an indication. Certainly
1: not sold out. Uh, might get to ten thousand. So it's moderate. I I feel I feel that a a good chance of hitting ten. I feel that in that that last twenty four hours, they you would expect a a market like Chicago and the punk, like it will be interesting to see if if punk is if there's any public profile of punk going into like any kind of promotion beyond just what we have seen so far. But I feel come like that twenty four hour period, it's it's a decent enough chance that they're at eighty four hundred or so now that they move that those final you know. 1400, 1600 to get to 10,000, which is a respectable number. It's not selling out the United Center, but it, it's hardly to me a disappointment.
0: It sounds like he'll do a promo. Punk will. Um, I don't know if they'll announce that tonight. Um, uh, I don't know if there'll be new ice cream bars. I doubt it. Um, Mindy's,
1: yeah. we told you catering for the Ten- entire United 10,000 10, cupcakes, uh, to, to go around. Yeah. I mean, I mean, Con said as much in there that you, if you're tuning in to hear from Punk, I don't think you're going to be disappointed. What I'm kind of curious about, and we haven't talked too much about it, is the fact that they are back in Chicago next Wednesday and how that show is handled in terms of if you are someone that bought tickets for a Dynamite, uh, Punk is not advertised for that show. Is there that expectation of having him involved in, in some form or fashion on on Wednesday, or if he is going to be exclusive on Collision, which they are outwardly advertising him now for Toronto the night before for Door? Yeah, I don't know. There's a, there's a lot of unanswered questions. And can he, will he be in the
0: same building as members of the elite as, as Kenny Omega Young Bucks and people like that? Um There's a lot of unanswered questions and, and questions that I don't know if, you know, something if we had more time was, I think, to ask him, are there NDAs? I doubt he would answer, but it's worth, worth approaching.
1: Yeah, Uh unless he said, I can't answer about NDAs because I signed an NDA. <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> uh, the follow-up is, is there an NDA that you can't talk about the NDAs? <laughs> there are two separate documents. Well, as we get closer, I, I do wonder how much – like, certainly, I think there's the idea that Punk is back. Punk is able to do all these programs. He's going to be working with certain people. To me, it is such a giant shadow, the fallout of All Out, and everything with the Elite – And you're looking at Collision and what could spark gigantic interest in this show. And to me, there is no bigger thing you could do than keeping this so quiet. And it's the elite, like, laying out FTR and Punk at the end of Collision in Chicago and being berated. Now, I just don't feel that the audience is necessarily expecting that. But in pro wrestling, that is the – like, could you imagine a scenario, Brandon, where Brett does not leave for WCW and Mm -hmm. him and Sean are just kept on – Like there are ones on Raw one week and ones on Raw the other week and there's no interaction. It's it's almost like this: the audience is going to be left wanting for so long. And maybe that is strategic that we know at some point there's going to be that payoff. But I feel until you get there, I just question how much of resistance there's going to be from the audience when it's believed that the program everyone wants to see play out because of the real nature of it, that you're deprived of that, that it's just... It's going to kind of take the air out of some of this, uh, of the sales. I mean, I don't, and based on not any
0: special information, I don't get the sense that the Young Bucks especially have any interest in in working with punk. So I don't have any expectation that that's going to happen maybe
1: ever. No, Um, And, and it's, there's also not the traditional incentive for performers in this case (laughs) when you have guaranteed contracts and, it's not as though, okay, well, this is, uh, unless you're just, you know, putting company first and this would be great for the company, but individually, um, why go through this? If it's just, you're not the ones necessarily that are making any more or any less based on y- your programs and, and who you work with. And all that is not going to necessarily be water under the bridge, yeah. but it is what the audience wants. Like that, there's no question. And you look at what would AEW need in terms of a big shot in the arm that is staring you in the face. And it would seem that that, I mean, they are giving you every indication that that is not going to be something to expect. And and I think if you could summarize
0: the sort of malaise of of AEW by that, I mean, you know, the decline in TV ratings since September or so, maybe even before that, and some of the weakness in in ticket sales we've seen recently, at least. um, One of the main themes to me has been that, the most interesting stories, the stories that we find ourselves talking about the most are not stories that are playing out or we have any reason to believe are going to play out on television there. You know, it's, and you can go back to Cody leaving in January of 2022 and can't really talk about why he left. That's a smaller one, but then MJF, uh, supposedly maybe threatening to, to no show the double or nothing pay-per-view last year. And then he went away for three months. Couldn't talk about that while it was going on a little bit, a little bit bigger of of a persona non grata there. And then in the following September, we had all all this fight controversy and we definitely can't talk about that. And that's been the biggest one of all. Um, I think like if we were to talk to him again, I would, I would want to talk to him about, the fact that he can't talk about
1: so many things. And does that come with any kind of cost? Do you think? And what was his big talking point last summer before all out? It was, you know, this stuff was playing itself out. And in terms of, you know, Tony believing that it's, it's not necessarily a bad thing that we know that some people don't get along with each other. This is pro wrestling where that can be very valuable. That was a big talking point for Tony Khan before all out. But once you get so close to the sun in that case where it is disrupting your entire locker room and this situation, like they are obviously in a position where, where Tony Khan doesn't is not going to give you anything in terms of that uh, discussion point, but it is what your audience is so craving. And I think by continually avoiding that topic, it only heightens the desire for more information. And I think that's going to extend to the expectation on your programming. That is how fans are, hardwired to expect conflict to be turned into a way for a company to profit. And I think the unwillingness for the decision not to talk
0: about any of this stuff in any way whatsoever, I understand there's legal things involved here. And I'm not even talking about the TV deal, but I understand there's legal legal. It's possible that there could have been, or may even still someday maybe litigation surrounding this fight or something like that. Um,
1: and I understand wanting to protect that. Um, or or also hard- stepping on a landmine days before this debut in the in the united center like you can understand it to a point um but it it seems like there is no negotiation about that of even addressing the bare bones of of it as well so i can understand that people are frustrated by that but that is like the hardline stance that he has taken on that topic i think being this unwilling to talk about these
0: subjects undermines aew's brand as, as a strong alternative, an alternative to, to wrestling companies in the U S like WWE, probably like TNA in, in its era that want to ignore the obvious, ignore the thing, ignore the elephant in the room. That is that everyone is thinking about and no one is willing to talk about. Um, I, I think it it undermines a lot of the the earned trust that, that AEW quickly earned,
1: uh, since 2019. Yeah, I'm just curious to see how, like, we have not gone through any kind of period where the AEW audience has ever rooted against the company or, you know, you've gotten like crowds hijacking shows, for instance. There is that opportunity that I, I am curious to see, like, the elite, are they inundated with CM Punk chants over these next couple of months when he's on the other show and it's or this vice direct- versa? I think vice versa. And vice versa. I, I think it can go both ways that, I'm just wondering, is this going to be something where the show begins and people can just enjoy the program? Or is it is this such a big story that that is what the audience is going to be craving and they are going to be screaming at the promotion and protest until they get what they want? Um, Are we are we exaggerating this this issue or are we underplaying it? I, I feel like it is top of mind for a lot of fans and it represents the excitement behind CM Punk's return as opposed to. The way you hear it as though, well, just CM Punk being back and working with Samoa Joe and uh Juice Robinson and Jay White, that is invigorating people. I think it's the next extension of CM Punk's AEW run is exactly playing off of this real scenario you saw in what is a a huge part of AEW's history is that press conference. Not uh necessarily a, a great memory in AEW's history, but a significant one. And the biggest yeah. news story in that company's uh, of the last year. Yeah. And I think I, I, don't, I don't believe it's the case
0: that AEW fans, like the overwhelming majority of AEW fans, are, are, are following the wrestling news closely, are listening to podcasts like this one, where people are going through all the details and stuff like that. But, but I, but they think- saw the press conference. <laughs> I, I i always think back to that you know the buffalo dynamite that happened i believe it was the first dynamite right after all out right and we i were both remem- yeah right and i remember sta- you know standing in the ticket line to get through you know to get through the, into the building and I, me- I remember hearing some fans you know talking and it's only days since this happened and there were like fans like what were, we're trying to explain to each other what was going on so there were some fans at least you know three days later or whatever it was that weren't aware of it um i do think that even if yes, th- there's there's a lot of fans who aren't paying attention to this stuff really, but I think this stuff does the the, the brand perception and this sort of chatter does uh, trickle down one way or another to a to be a significant effect.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, the promo is very interesting for Saturday. I don't know what a CM Punk comes out and says that cannot in some way reference where he's been and everything that has happened, and nor does I think I feel that fan base want to hear him come out and and skirt issues or avoid the topic entirely so i mean that's why i asked. like it, a type who's going to avoid it either so i i see it as short term it's very good for collision because of that curiosity of what he will say but if it is not a, a direction that they are pointing you towards then i do see it as a long-term negative that this audience i, I just don't know if they're necessarily going to just accept and move on uh when this is your essentially structuring these two programs because of this real life issue. But this real life issue is not going to be capitalized on or delivered to your audience for the reasons we've gone over. Right. And this may play into whether,
0: whether he stays a face and whether he, whether he becomes heel later on, uh, depending on how the crowd reacts to him, but I expect him to be faced for a while. anyway.
1: Anything else major that, uh, jumped out at you at, at the, at some of the, the comments made or towards just where, they are heading towards... You know, we talked a bit about where Canada is in terms of... So, I did, in the United States. Yes, uh, exactly. Uh, where they where they are in terms of all of these dates that are coming up. Uh, we've talked about the United Center numbers, but yeah, the, the collision dates in Canada, they've been very soft sales uh, for Toronto, for Hamilton. Regina is around thirteen fourteen hundred. 1,400. Calgary, about 3,500. So that's what they're looking at over the next month with a lot of collision dates uh, in Canada. And uh, I have received a lot of feedback from non-TSN Plus fans here in Canada. Not you, a popular you the, service, Brandon. You are the the, the, the fan relations uh, representative for all uh, Canadian wrestling, I think. I make all these decisions about where all these programs air in Canada. I determine all of this stuff, and uh, people voice their displeasure with me. Why Why is it not on television? I It, it is on TSN Plus. That is, uh, that is where it is going to be streaming this Saturday night. Did you have any, any takeaways other
0: than what we talked about?
1: I mean, I I thought that we tried to cover um as much of kind of like a well rounded picture of where AEW. Yeah, about thirty is. minutes. We we had thirty minutes and uh, we we were pretty good on our on our time, uh, hitting our times and yeah. I mean, obviously there's certain areas where you want him to go into more depth, but you also go into this knowing that there are topics he is not going to go into. That does not preclude us from asking them though, and I feel we had to ask those questions and. I thought in terms of, you know, just getting some of the television information, like, I mean, it's not outright confirming anything, but I thought it was as much clarity as we have heard about several things that I think that it, again, the option, I think, being picked up, I think everyone has to be under the working assumption that that is going to continue through 2024. And then it sets up like a huge, um you know, decision for Warner Brothers Discovery next year and how they approach AEW is wwe truly something that they are going to go after and with the deals being up so close to one another what what bleed over is there between the two and other broadcasters that are after wwe that see this alternative and like that's that's the major story in, in wrestling for this year and next yeah I'm, I'm i would be really curious to know to what
0: degree is AEW really going to be shopped around is it even going to go into a non-exclusive window, as WWE's deals with Fox and NBCU now have? And obviously, we get the impression that WWE is—they are now on the open market—and you got Andrew Marchand of the New York Post reporting FX is interested in WWE content, and that's that's the biggest factor that's going to determine whether or not the rights are going to go up and how much is going to go up. How many bidders are there? How many how many people are going to run this price up? In the case of AEW, that's totally unclear to me. Whether the relationship between AEW and WBd is so close that they'll renew within the exclusive window, whether WBd owns a piece of of AEW, and that's going to encourage the the two to continue working together and preclude any, you know, shopping around on the open market. Whether AEW's uh, newness as a brand makes it less attractive to other other bidders, as opposed to WB, which has been around for decades and is well known. Um, these are all questions I have. And I guess because they're questions, I sort of lean towards, you know, thinking some of these answers are, are unfavorable to, to AEW in terms of them being able to attract multiple bidders and therefore get a higher price than they would otherwise for their TB rights.
1: There's also another big story, another big name that is in the hat that we haven't talked about yet, Brandon. Uh, we have a clip here. This is from, uh, the Andrew Marchand, John O'Rand. Podcast. Let's hear from John Olrand because this is, this is big news. For years, I ignored the WWE because it was the, 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 the rights deals were basically being negotiated by entertainment executives. A, so now that it is, you know, Mark Silverman and Eric Shanks and, and Jimmy Pitaro and Marie Donahue, and you have actually in, in the sports departments, they're the ones that are out there doing it. It, it became uh, more real for me to cover. I heard John Olrand pro wrestling reporter officially broken on the O'Randon and Marshawn podcast this week. So John O'Rand entering the pro wrestling mix, he will be covering these television negotiations. I guess he's saying, you know, he's, he's a sports business journal reporter and these
0: are, and, and it's, it's apparently the case for AEW too. I mean, judging by how their position positioned at the upfronts, they were um, included not with sports, but with other forms of entertainment and they're under the umbrella of Kathleen Finch, who, who's, you know, governing scripted entertainment for WBD rather than, Oh, I forget the the executive's name who, who does uh, WBD Sports. Um, so and you know, along those lines, there was news recently. I believe Pete Bavakwa, who's the the executive that runs NBC Sports, he's leaving NBC. You, um, and there was discussion on this podcast from the clip that you played from, um, that maybe Rick Cordella, who's in charge of Peacock, may be the one who's going to fill in uh, that vacancy.
1: Yes. So if you miss uh andrew marchand's report earlier this week he was you know still of the belief that nbc universal and fox are the favorites to retain ron smackdown respectively however fx is in the mix amazon prime is in the mix and then he had some dark horse candidates and included uh warner brothers discovery in that dark horse department and adding the tidbit that there is not a yeah. exclusivity regarding aew which uh Tony Khan would not uh, confirm or deny in the, in the interview, but would be suggested that that is accurate and would not yeah, prevent we, Warner Brothers' discovery is, from trying to become the, the pro-wrestling network. Which is different from what we, what I believe about
0: WWE's deals with NBCU and with Fox, um, at least according to the, the MLW lawsuit that's ongoing between MLW and WWE. I mean, MLW mentions in their complaints and in their filings that WWE has – an exclusive deal with NBCU for wrestling exclusive deal with Fox for wrestling. Um, not as certain about Fox, but in the case of NBCU, we saw that when reels was put as a live stream onto Peacock, they were, they were not streaming the MLW show when that was on, on, two, on Tuesdays at 10. So that would certainly add credibility to the notion that NBCU has, it has an exclusive agreement for wrestling with WWE, but apparently not reportedly not with, uh, in the case of AEW, and WBD. And I think that's just, you know, who's got the leverage there? It's a newer brand AEW is, and WBD is certainly the one who has the leverage. That's why, among other reasons, why AEW gets paid a lot less than WWE. Um, so there's
1: less that they need to give to retain AEW, I suppose. And then complicating matters is still the very real discussion point out there about the possibility down the road of NBC Universal buying or merging with Warner Brothers yes. Discovery. That would be, you know, so that would be a cataclysmic uh, just business story and how that would play into things as well and that's you know a very heavily discussed subject of Warner Brothers discovery uh, even though David Zaslav has denied we are not for sale which no executive they have ever uh denied that they are for sale before they are sold that just does not happen they would never mislead the public yes especially not Dean White wrestling fan David Zaslav as we have confirmed in our <laughs> interview as well so yeah. uh uh, thank you again to Tony Khan for, uh, for joining us. And we have a few, uh, topics that we wanted, uh, to discuss as well, including, uh, the raw numbers from Monday. So this was their last night against the NBA finals, which wrapped up with the Denver Nuggets winning on Monday night. And it did take a big chunk out of raw, which fell 13% to a 1,595,000 viewers and a point four six in the demo. So this was their, Third lowest, second lowest viewership of the year, third lowest, uh, 18 to 49 audience of the year. And they just did not get off to a, a, it was a normal start in hour one, but they did not get the usual climb in hour two. And then following under 1.5 million viewers in the third hour. So it, as well as they have held up through the playoffs, it did feel like this week with the, uh, with the Miami Heat facing elimination, this was a week where. Raw did get hurt by the playoffs in a more significant fashion than we have seen because the numbers have held up very well this this spring. Yeah, the attrition
0: on this this episode was fairly heavy. I mean, the basketball game I believe started at eight fifteen or eight thirty. Um,
1: they got the Cody Rhodes match in before the game began because I think the game started just after eight thirty.
0: Okay, so the I mean the the viewership retention for Raw for some of these episodes lately has been better than than usual. Um, but yeah, they. The the audience declined a lot more than it has in recent weeks, but it's not out of the out of the the normal trend for what it's done historically, uh, going years back either. So I don't know. We'll you know sort of chalk it up to it was going against the NBA Finals and see if there's uh, a continued
1: trend next week. They were still first on cable, and barring any you know, there's the home run derby in, in July, but there should be a pretty clear path until Monday Night Football returns for Raw to be in a pretty favorable uh, setting throughout the summer. NXT as well is a very interesting show to be watching because they are throwing everything against the wall. They continue to send main roster talent over and they announce that The next two weeks are going to be themed as Gold Rush with title matches uh, highlighted by Seth Rollins defending the world championship against Braun Breaker next Tuesday. And then the big draw, Baron Corbin challenging Carmelo Hayes in two weeks. So you have two weeks to get ready for Baron Corbin challenging for the NXT title. But uh Lathard, the, the TV rights renewal challenge match. That is it. Uh, these rights are up in the fall, and they are just loading up NXT, which has finished uh, fourth and fifth over the last two weeks uh, on on cable Tuesday nights. And it seems that they are they are throwing a lot against the wall. It seems inevitable that these uh, they're unifying the women's tag titles. So that would suggest that you'll get a Ronda Rousey match at some point on NXT. Uh, we'll see if this makes any meaningful difference uh, for NXT and what, what its value is as its own property, as opposed to an add on in terms of, you know, it comes with raw, it comes with SmackDown versus just on its own. And if USA just renews this at another, we get a small press release that a multi-year agreement has been reached. Yeah. value attached to it.
0: If I'm NBCU, like i and I'm sure they're in communication, but if, if I'm in I would want some reassurance. Like, how do I know you're not just cramming for the test And that when we, you know, renew a deal or whoever buys these rights, uh, that they're going to get a show that is, you know, that it, that this much star power is being poured into. Is this a permanent strategy? We want Baron Corbin every week. Yes. We want assurances to this. Yes. Baron yeah, Corbin
1: and, uh, bring Nia Jax back. Who else? Dana Brooke, Dana Brooke looks yes. to be a semi regular for That's the foreseeable future as well. So that, that is what you have to look forward to on the NXT front. We also do have some super chats. So, um, I did stipulate at the beginning that we had spoken to Tony on Monday. So if a uh, question came here for Tony, we will, okay. uh, we will do our best to, uh, to answer it or, or Brandon will no comment it. Uh, should should we, yeah, should we answer it in the style of Tony Khan? Yes. Uh, any inkling of a fresh collision commentary team? Do you imagine there's a lot of broadcasters under contract to AEW between Ring of Honor and AEW? I imagine they're, they're going to keep it in-house as opposed to uh, going elsewhere and uh, bringing in anybody else. I know that Moro Ronaldo's name has been speculated by some, but given his Showtime boxing commitments, I don't know if a Saturday night program is going to work for uh, Moro Ronaldo's schedule. And I, I can believe Jim, see Jim Ross may count the effect that he's, He's busy. Do you like do you prefer the idea of a two man team or a two person team if uh, uh as opposed to the three that AEW seems married to? I have no preferences about this but I would prefer two rather than three, yes. Okay. Uh, well, another one here. Well, uh could I ask Tony? No, you can't, Peter, on how things are for the Wembley Stadium show. Buzzing as I've been following this madness since its inception. No doubt it will be historic. Thanks to Tony for bringing a mega show closer to me. Well, Peter Brogan, that's what Tony said. He said. You know what? Peter Brogan has been a loyal fan. Let's book Wembley for Peter Brogan. He is going to bring you that card. And as he stated in the interview, he, if all goes well at Forbidden Door, uh, it will be a a great event. I didn't expect him to say, you know what? It's, it's going to be an okay card. We're, we're just, you know, we'll, we'll throw some things together last minute. Uh, other ones here. Um, all right. Well, he, he enjoyed the interview. Uh, this from, from 10 Ruza. Well, thank you very much for, uh, for, for the kind words there. And of course, Jake, one of Tony Khan's better interviews. Props to him and props to you for some great questions and your professionalism. All right. I'm uh I'm averse to reading compliments for myself, so I'd much rather (laughs) get insulted by people if you if you are so kind. Raw and NXT both had insult us, please go for it. Big time Baxter. Raw and NXT both had collision ads airing on the USA network. Okay, well that's a interesting tidbit because I I would imagine that's in your local market. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, smart on their part, not the first time that we have seen it. Yeah, they've done this before.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, have you – I know that uh, we talked about it last week and you guys chatted about it on Sunday on WrestleNomics. Has your your range of expectation for the debut episode changed at all or it's relatively the same of what you're expecting, like in line with what Dynamite is doing? I –
0: I made a prediction that it would do, I don't know, sort of whatever the, the, dynamite of two weeks ago did, I think. Like, so like a 0.30 or something like that, maybe somewhere in, in the neighborhood of 800,000 viewers. Um, Jesse and Gull, though, both went lower. So it, it kind of scares me into thinking that maybe I'm, I'm the high man here. So I wouldn't be surprised if it's lower. Um, but that's what I think it can do, whatever dynamite does for one, for one night from there. Uh, somewhere between what rampage and dynamite does, I think is, is what, what I expect yes
1: yeah I'm I'm still of the of the belief I, I think a point three is achievable for Saturday I I'm pretty high on the idea of like that day of and punk being back on television it's been a long enough time that I think there is a lot of curiosity and you know between a promo and a main event segment that could get up to three quarters of CM Punk, I, I think that bodes well for the overall health of the show and probably something else strong, like maybe tonight we get a, a number two match that is announced for Collision. I mean, it's it's going to be a beefed up show, but it's more so where Collision lands at on a weekly basis, and that I can certainly see it. Um, it, it needs something big to sustain interest, and I just don't know if Punk alone is going to carry this on a weekly basis um, maybe he can, I mean, he is sort of the outlier when it comes to, um, like he is a difference maker and I don't think anyone is going to disagree with that, but this is th- this show's success is very much on his shoulders because you take punk out of the mix and I, I don't know what the show looks like if punk is not the key attraction to it. Yeah. And I think in, in the, this is small micro tuning, but
0: I, I imagine what, how the show will be structured is punk promo in the ring to start fifteen minutes or something. And then last match, I believe Tony even told us it's gonna be go on last. Certainly made it sound like that. So I imagine the, promo is the main will, event. So yeah, I think that's a and I I, I am, you would have I'm curious what the lead in will be if that makes any difference at all. But um is there a big bang theory hearing on Saturday night? But anyway, um I I would expect the promo is going to have a bigger audience. One because it's earlier in the night. Second because I think the organic uh Interest is is much more on the promo than it is on the match.
1: Their lead in is Avengers: Age of Ultron. Okay, so it's so a not three not hour movie is your lead in, and then coming out of it, Brandon, you'll want to DVR this. Uh, the Lazarus Project episode two is airing immediately afterwards, so that's what you get. No, TSN no. Plus is probably going to send us to uh, bloopers or uh, I don't know tennis or whatever's going on on yes. TSN. See if we can get the core hours for that. We'll do, we'll do our best. It's, it's actually a question I want to ask. And this is more a a larger philosophical question because it's being discussed at the moment with the whole writer's strike. Um, is one of the, the key points that they are raising is the inability to get any sort of data from these streamers. And this is certainly like a larger story. And as we continue to move to more and more of these streaming platforms, like, do you feel that in time that this will somewhat break and that there will be sort of an onus on these streamers that they are going to have to be a little bit more transparent than what we currently see, because the pressure is going to come from, I think a lot of creators and ones that are going to want to know how their shows are performing. And, you know, it's, it's, it does add, I think a lot of discussion points and seeing it firsthand in MMA, like we, we do not get like really solid pay-per-view numbers anymore for UFC. And, That has eliminated a lot of who is a draw, who is not a draw, the ultimate questions of success or failure in life. But it was a totally different (laughs) world when UFC pay-per-view numbers were routinely reported and a guy like Demetrius Johnson, like that was a tag that really held him down was his pay-per-view numbers. And I'm just curious if we are going to see an evolution when it comes to, you know, if if SmackDown goes to an Amazon Prime and maybe this is one or two uh, television cycles from now, do you expect more reliable data to come out?
0: I hope so. I mean, we did get Nielsen numbers for the Amazon Prime NFL game. That's right. Yep. Um, I would be, would be curious to know how, how this is working out in, in the advertising industry. What's the currency? The reason why Nielsen TV viewership numbers exist is is largely because that's the currency that people are using, that advertisers are using with networks to buy ads because raw does a 4.6 in the demo. Um, that's, that's determining how much that ad costs basically. Um, so I would, I, I would think they're giving them some kind of internal data to, to tell them we're going to give you X number of 18 to 49 people or whatever demo you're interested in buying against. Um, at some point though, I, it would be nice to have a third independent party be the one producing this data rather than you know the the network itself. Um and certainly I I, I want to have all, all the data I can from all, all the uh, the independent third parties we can to to analyze it and, and to look at, you know, what's uh what the viewership of these shows are. And and everybody's got sort of a different um way way to measure it. We see that already with social media, you know, say on Facebook it's a three seconds counts as a view or something and then on another platform it's 10 seconds. Um we've got some peacock numbers, right? We've we've heard a little bit about not just percentages we have started to hear a little bit about uh, be- being leaked out there the number of viewers that some of these PLEs are doing. However, that's well, not... when they're a big number, they
1: will come out and of that's, course that's only when thing. it's a big it's... number. And I think that that is a larger issue is just the idea of like what are what are what are the average nu- and this is not just for for Peacock. this is like all streaming services of those numbers are would it be sh- a-, a shock to people to see what the actual average numbers are? As they compare it to television, um, you know, and the I would, Peacock real numbers that we've gotten are not
0: like to like against, say, Raw's TV viewership or SmackDown's TV viewership. That's an average by the minute number of viewers. What we what we've heard from the Peacock numbers so far is these are the number of people who accounts that actually turned it on. So that just
1: means they turned it on. That's it. So, I I would be curious how much you know significant data WWE is receiving from Peacock at, at this point like i'm sure they're getting meaningful information yes. but i'm sure it's a far cry from when it was obviously when it was in-house and they th- that was the big george barrios philosophy was like we will remember the, the famous um well, he uh, thought they could sell their data and nobody wanted to buy. Yeah, that was the big presentation. Like the idea of, you know, we would have all this information. We know what kind of shirts everyone is buying. Like he wanted a That's data why they brought that driven- Goldberg because people were watching Goldberg stuff on the network. Supposedly. And maybe yeah. sting. Yeah. That was it. That was it. Yeah. I don't know if I uh, shared the story, but when Jim Ross was doing one of his one man shows here in Toronto, it was the afternoon of the survivor series in Toronto, which was the night Goldberg beat Brock in however many seconds yeah. it was. And during the show, uh, Barry Bloom, the 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 mysterious Barry Bloom showed up backstage and he had As like the agent of, of Goldberg. The agent of Goldberg also represents Chris Jericho, many others. And he had like an envelope with him and was on his way, I believe, to the Scotiabank Arena afterward. And it was always like the discussion was like they they kind of hammered out a deal that day. So I don't know if I was in the presence of uh whatever deal was pending for one Bill Goldberg to do wrestlemania the next year or not but perhaps he was a busy man so we'll we'll get barry bloom on in the in the near future we'll uh we'll, we'll go through i'm sure he'd be more than willing to share every every last secret that he has been privy to live that'd be nice well on that note uh we are going to wind things down on this uh very big edition of pollock and thurston now the pressure is on to follow up next week as we are going into forbidden door brandon is going to be coming up to toronto for forbidden door weekend he will also be at the forbidden poor which is happening on June 25th. In the afternoon, we're going to be doing a live session of Ask Away. Will you be making it to the Forbidden Poor, Brandon? I will be now. You just advertised me. (laughs) Live edition of Pollock and Thurston will be part of the pre-show, uh, Q and A. We will get Brandon up there on stage. Brandon will be the big draw. We might have to cut him into the, to, to the earnings of such. Uh, but you can go get your tickets post wrestling.com slash live. And then there will be an after party. This is that real sports bar right across the street from the Scotiabank Arena, minutes from the venue. Come back after Forbidden Door and, uh, hang out with all of us and. That is going to wrap up uh, this week's edition of Pollock and Thurston. Uh, what can people go check out on the WrestleNomics Patreon? You wrote uh, an opinion piece on, on Tuesday, kind of going through some of the discussion that we had. What is What can be found at the Wrestlema- WrestleNomics Patreon? Yeah, there, there's, a, there's a summary, and a little bit of analysis
0: on on the latest report from Andrew Marshan in the New York Post about um, FX being interested um, and other details that are part of his report. Also, I wrote an opinion piece about whether or not DWB and UFC merger are really going to affect, uh, AEW and, and, uh, New Japan. Spoiler. I don't think it's going to affect them greatly, but you can read about why there. Um, there's some trademark news in there too about GCW's, um, fight forever, fight forever trademark. I don't want to call it, um, an opposition. They requested time to oppose that the time was granted and now has passed. So who knows if something was agreed to behind the scenes, but it doesn't look like they're opposing that after all. Um, and some other news and notes, including women of wrestling ratings, the only place to get those. Which are, I mean, they're, they're stunning because yes, nobody talks about this show, but um, more, some sometimes more total. I don't know about more, but very close to the total viewership of rampage. You
1: could say it's, it's certainly bigger than any of your, what i would call like third level like pro wrestling programming like this is something that's doing double if not probably some weeks triple what impact is doing right and there you go. i mean it's a very strong syndication package and it is this mystery to me that i I am not kidding i have never gotten a piece of feedback on women of wrestling i have never been tweeted about women of wrestling obviously there are people watching it and i just wonder if it's this silo rewind a wow show that rewind started? a wow has not been justified on our end to uh to to launch but brandon um you you and gullo it could be all yours if if you if you so choose R- okay. rewind a wow um but that is it for us maybe maybe we'll get Jeannie buss on the show at, at some point we'll talk about wow uh which does air in canada here through uh chch Braden harrington is the hookup here for women of wrestling in uh in, in canada that's going to wrap things up uh Tomorrow, Thursday, on uh, postwrestlingcafe.com, myself and Wei Ting, we are going to be reviewing ROH's best in the world from 2011. If you are jogging your memory, this featured uh, Davey Richards winning the ROH championship and a big angle involving Kevin Steen, the future Kevin Owens, as he returned to ROH to launch his attack on Jim Cornette and the entire company. So we are going to go back to 2011, the day before CM Punk's pipe bomb promo. This was the angle that everyone thought would be circulating the wrestling world. And 24 hours later, CM Punk cut a pretty memorable promo in Las Vegas. So you can catch that as well as tonight. Rewind the Dynamite here on the Post YouTube channel at 10 Eastern following Dynamite in Washington, D.C., the site of the very first Dynamite. So that's it for us. For Brandon Thurston, I am John Pollock. We are here every week on the Post Wrestling and WrestleNomics YouTube channels. Come back next week. Tell all your friends. And that wraps it up. Goodbye.